The word of the Lord from Philippians 2. Christ Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, Therefore God also highly exalted him, and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend, in heaven, and on earth, and under earth. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Then Jesus led them to Bethany, and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshipped him, and then returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. And they spent all of their time in the temple praising God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Well, let's go back to about 62 AD. Paul is sitting on a dirty, musty floor. It's a smelly room. He has very few visitors. Talk about being remote. He's chained to a prison guard. He has few bathroom privileges. The food is terrible. He has no freedom at all. And that's where he is. And the prison guard looks over Paul's shoulder and he sees what he's writing. And it's something that he's writing to a church in Philippi. And he's writing these words, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Really? Would those be the first words that you would offer? If you were in that situation, really, would you do that? It's Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. And the message puts it wonderfully as a paraphrase. Celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in Him. We're talking about joy today. And Paul's just following what Luke talked about a lot in his gospel. Joy is a big theme, a big theme in the gospel of joy. You know, at the very beginning, what does it say? You know, the, the angel says to the shepherds, what? I bring you good tidings of great, what? Joy. You go to the very middle of the Gospel of Luke, and you have the three stories that end with joy. You have the sheep that is found and brought back, and they all rejoice. And then the woman finds her coin and she rejoices. She's full of joy. And then the lost son comes back, and the father is full of joy. And then you go to the very end of the Gospel of Luke, and you know what it says. After Jesus ascends back to heaven to be really reunited with his father, think about what that must have been like when Jesus finally got to go back to heaven and be with his Father. That must have been incredible. 
But it says after that, Luke reports that they worshiped him and then returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. Now the Bible is replete with joy, as you well know. Let's consider what God has to say about joy. First of all, joy is a decision you make. Let me say that again. Joy is a decision you make. Joy, it's, it's a decision you make when you wake up in the morning. And you keep that decision all day long. Christians should laugh harder, love stronger. You know, th think about it. Our, our past is forgiven. Our future has been settled. And that knowledge helps you know you can you have no reason not to have joy, to rejoice. Dallas Willard put it this way, you'll not understand God until you understand this about him. God is the happiest being in the universe. I never thought about that till I read that, but I think that's right. Psalm 118, 24 says this, and you've heard this. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Now notice it doesn't say yesterday was the day that the Lord made. It was a good day, wasn't it? Well, it doesn't say tomorrow is the day that the Lord will make. We'll be glad and rejoice when tomorrow gets here. No, he says this is the day. There's so many positive things to dwell on. Look for the silver lining. Look for the silver lining all the time. Find the joy in the storms. Realize that joy is a decision that you make each day when you awake. Now, you know what an oxymoron is? You probably do. It's two contrasting words like jumbo shrimp, right? Or partially complete, or sure bet, or alone together, or short sermon. Anyway, but let me suggest another one. Joyless Christian. Think about that. Joyless Christian. Is there such a thing? You know, could there be a Christ follower who doesn't have the joy of the Lord within him or her? The Christian's joy is based on an internal relationship, not external things, not, not different circumstances you might be going through. Now, let me share a few words from people of our tribe who are making a choice to be joyful. And later on, we're going to have some videos, but right now I'm just going to read a few of these. Tom and Jane Jenkins say, There is so much joy watching God refresh this world's beauty in spring, a reminder that he is with us in all seasons. How much greater our joy when we're in his presence in the new creation. How great that's going to be. Denise Sims says this, I find joy sitting on my deck, watching and listening to the birds. I talked about that earlier. And she says, especially a pair of red birds. Red birds have been a sign of hope for me. I saw one this morning after the storm last night. And she said, I find joy in Miss Sylvia's preschool Zoom. I get to see the kids and the teachers that I miss. Tasha Davis says, for me, it has been watching the relationship strengthen between Amelia and Everett, two great kids. Brandon and I will often look at each other and say, they're as thick as thieves. It's been a joy to see how much they rely on each other, look out for each other, and entertain each other. 
because they really only have each other. My joy during these trying times comes from their squeals of joy and in observing their unique and special relationship. And finally, Jennifer Preston says, we have had joy amongst these days. We have laughed a lot, watched a lot of good movies, played many board games, and enjoyed the slower life. There have also been lots of hours working and having school, mostly by the adults in the house. We have set aside Saturday as a family day, and over the last two Saturdays we have experienced joy with a family hike and a family trip to a drive through a safari. Oh, a drive through safari. There it is. It brought a lot of joy, and it was just what the teacher, what this teacher working from home needed. And if you would, take a look at this picture. <laughs> Claude found a new friend on the safari. Well, joy is a decision you make, but joy also makes you strong. You know, I've always thought it was interesting that with the fruit of the Spirit that you have in uh, Galatians, the number one is love, and it should be that. But what's number two? It's joy. It's that important because it makes you strong. I always love Proverbs 17.22. It says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. And that first phrase, a cheerful heart is good medicine, do you know what it is literally in the Hebrew? It's a cheerful heart makes the medicine work better. Think about that. A cheerful heart makes the medicine work better. It makes you stronger. That's what joy does. Or you go all the way over to the New Testament, James chapter 1, verses 2, 2 and 3. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. It makes you strong. We had some rough weather last Sunday evening. You probably remember that. There were tornadoes in Alabama. Whenever I think of, of tornadoes, I always think of my mentor, Grady Nutt, a great humorist. Some of you remember him. Uh, he, he left here way too early, but uh, just an incredible guy who was on TV a lot. Uh, his son, Toby, and I, we were baptized in the same uh, Sunday. And anyway, he just meant a lot to me. And also a woman who was so loved in our church, Gaga Woodward, uh, was a deacon in our church. And there was a, an unkind preacher who uh, found out that she was a deacon. And we had had deacons in our church who were women for years and years and years. And you can read about Phoebe and other people who were deacons from the Bible. But anyway, I'm not going to make a big thing about that. But all that to say... She was a deacon and, and loved in our church. And I'll never forget uh, 1974 uh, in April, uh, there was a terrible tornado and uh, it just gored out a part of Louisville, just a big chunk of Louisville was just gored out. It was just so messed up. And we were in our house, we were about three blocks away from where the tornado was. But anyway, uh, Grady found out that Gaga's house was just hit as bad as could be. And so he got in his car and although, you know, the roads were just terrible, somehow he got over to Gaga's house and he saw that it was almost just gone. But he 
went over to get inside. He couldn't get into the front house, the, the front door. He couldn't get in that way. He had to go over to the side and go through a window. And he was calling for her. He didn't see her. He was so worried. He saw that there were still stairs. And so he ran up the stairs, looked around, called for her, didn't see her. Finally, he, he got back to where the stairs were and looked down and he saw her down there right at the first step. And he looked at her like, oh, Gaga. And she was standing there holding a chandelier. And he said he remembered later, like, what do you say to somebody holding a chandelier and your house is in shambles? And he just looked at He didn't know what to say. And finally, Gaga looked up at him and said, Grady, I shouldn't have let him ordain me as a deacon. <laughs> and, and Grady just cracked up. And she walked up. She put, put the chandelier down went up to see him and he started crying and, and she was okay. You know, she saw silver linings all over the place, even with her house just basically gone. And he went, she went up to him and grabbed him and hugged him. And they just held each other for a long time. And then she stepped back and looked at Grady and she said, we're all right, Grady. We just lost a house. That's what she said. We just lost a house. And Grady, that wasn't good enough for Grady at that moment. And here's a guy who's just so joyful and was so humorous, as you know. But he was like, this is so wrong. Gaga, I can't believe it. And she said, Grady, no, I'm not going to let Satan rob me of my joy. That's what she said. I'm not going to let Satan rob me of my joy. Here she was with her house in shambles but she wasn't going to let that happen. You know, the Bible says that Satan is a what? A, sea, a, a thief who has come to steal and kill and destroy, and he'd love to steal your joy. You know, are you going to let a temporary pandemic get the best of you? You don't want to let that. You don't want, you don't want him to win. And we need to beat Satan down. Otherwise, we become more like him. Reminds me of that grumpy guy that, just a terrible grumpy guy who, for whatever reason, he volunteered to take the third grade boys Sunday school class and, and teach them. And he handled it for two weeks. And then the third Sunday, he just went nuts. Uh, his, his grump was rising its ugly head and he just couldn't take it anymore. And here was this kid that, you know, he just couldn't take it. And, and, and there was an eight-year-old boy, and he went over and just grabbed him by the shoulder. And he said, son, I think the devil's got a hold on you. And the kid looked up at him and said, so do I. Anyway, let's not let Satan make us more like him. Let's let joy strengthen us. It can strengthen us. So let's hear from a few more Brookwood friends who were much stronger because of their joy during the last few weeks. Charles Vianney said, there were several, several joys that come to my mind. He said, evening walks in our neighborhood with Janie on a more regular basis. He said, delivering Easter in a bag with Janie to her kindergarten Sunday school class, all preschool ministry teachers participated. And then he said, seeing the faces of our Sunday school class each Sunday morning as we gather through video conference. 
Vicki Austin said this, one of my many joy moments is delivering Sunday school in a bag, surprises that surprises to the doorsteps of my precious three-year-old Sunday school children on Easter Sunday morning. And then Karen Phillips says, Scott and Carly have found joy in learning how to bake sourdough bread from scratch. That's, this is their second attempt, and you can see it there. Joy is a decision you make. Joy makes you stronger. And joy makes a church. In John 15, soon before Jesus was to be arrested and taken away, he said to his disciples, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Jesus was saying this to the disciples, but this speech really was a precursor to the entire church. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. We are the branches. He's talking about us and he wants our joy to overflow. We've talked about before what the meaning of the word church is. It's ecclesia. And it means literally the going out. It's not a building. It's going out. And we're going to close this sermon with some wonderful pictures and videos of Brookwood people who many of them are going out and living in joy even during this time. So let's enjoy this together. Hi, we're the Hatchers. And one thing that has brought us joy is going fishing and Ella and Will catching their first fish. One thing that brought me joy is chatting with my friends even when we can't be together right now. One thing that has brought me joy is that I have been riding my bike and playing basketball. Even in times of trouble, I think God gives us times of joy and insights to help us through those tough times. I know in the past few weeks, I've gotten a lot of joy out of watching young families in our neighborhood who are walking around with the kids riding bicycles, pulling wagons, riding tricycles, and for the most part, these families are enjoying their company and aren't spending time on the cell phone. Also, I've enjoyed the Sunday school classes we've had through Zoom meetings over the past few weeks. And while that's been an effective way to get together, it's caused me to come to treasure the times that we're able to spend time physically in each other's presence at church. Also, our Easter service this past week really caused me to stop and think about how truly the church is the body of believers who love God and who love Jesus Christ. And the church is not just the building of Brookwood Baptist Church. Hi. When Bill and I heard Jim's challenge and question about what has brought us joy these last several weeks, we agreed that it has been going birthday caroling. We have had two grandsons, a son-in-law, and our across the street neighbor that have had birthdays during this time. We go ring the doorbell, get off the porch, step back and sing happy birthday, just like Christmas carolers do at Christmas.
In thinking about joy, I thought of two photographs that I wanted to share with Jim. The first one was of my mother taken on Easter Sunday two years ago, which was also her 91st birthday. She was so happy, surrounded by the family she loved. It brings great joy to me now to think of her with my dad in heaven at the feet of Jesus. The second photograph is of my son, Drew, and his wife, Caroline. They are expecting their first child, our first grandchild, and two weeks ago, they cut into a cake to reveal the gender of that child. Seeing their excitement and joy when they realized they were having a baby boy brought great joy to my heart. So for me, I guess joy comes in the memories and thoughts of my family and friends and the hope for our future. One of the most important things that has brought joy to me over the past few weeks is watching James improve his knowledge of the Easter story in writing a book about the Easter story as an assignment from Miss Sylvia. I've also enjoyed watching James continue to learn in his Zoom lessons with Miss Sylvia and the other preschoolers. The beautiful blue skies and slower pace have brought joy in being able to spend more time as a family, playing outside, eating lunch together on the patio, having a backyard camp out, and watching James learn to ride his bicycle without assistance. Our Sunday evening gatherings with the Sunday school class have also brought joy over the past few weeks. Let us pray. You came to us, Lord Jesus, that we would have the abundance of life and joy. Help us to find the miraculous joy around us, even in the most mundane of moments. Thank you for all that you give to us each and every day. And may we live in a way that others see that we have a joy that they will want. Let us define ourselves as a people of hope and love and yes, joy. Amen.